You're listening to the RSA Conference podcast, where the world talks security. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this edition of our RSAC 365 podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in again. I'm your host, Casey Zirkus, Senior Content Manager with RSA Conference. We're looking at vulnerability management and threat modeling these past couple of months. And today we're talking about security testing at scale for cloud native technology with RSAC friendly Caroline Wong. Before we get started, I want to remind our listeners that here at RSAC, we host podcasts twice a month, and I encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review us on your preferred podcast app so that you can be notified when new tracks are posted. And now I'd like to ask Caroline to take a moment to introduce herself before we dive into today's topic. Caroline, over to you. Casey, what a pleasure to be speaking with you today. My current role is Chief Strategy Officer at Cobalt, and I've been working in information security since 2005, started off my cybersecurity career leading security teams at eBay and Zynga. I am the author of a book called Security Metrics, A Beginner's Guide, which was published by McGraw-Hill in 2011 and in 2022 was inaugurated into the Cybersecurity Canon Hall of Fame. I love this industry. I love that we have such interesting, challenging business problems to solve. Um, and the thing that I love most about this industry is the amazing people that I have gotten to meet and interact with. Absolutely. I agree. And we love your being part of this industry and that you're always so willing to share your expertise and experience with our listeners. So thank you for joining us today. I was hoping maybe you could start off by sharing your perspective of the cyber attacks landscape and how cloud native technology has actually contributed to the evolution we've seen over the past decade. So here is perhaps something a bit unexpected, and I think it really matters. I have focused for the second half of my career on application software product security. In this area, uh, we have an extremely valuable resource that is the OWASP Top 10. The most recent version of the OWASP Top 10 was released in 2021. And the first version of the OWASP Top 10 was released in 2003. Now, for folks who may not be as familiar with the OWASP Top 10, it's basically a list of the most common web application security vulnerabilities. And if I take those two lists, the original one from 2003, and I put it right next to the one from 2021, they are alarmingly similar. And what that says to me is that there's something that we're not getting right. Because we as an industry, we actually know exactly how to find these security problems. We know how to fix them. We know how to prevent them, but it's not getting done. And so, Casey, I don't know if this is along the lines of what you expected for a response, but it's my true and honest answer. I love truth and I love honesty and I love your 
being humble about learning about OWASP because I know that you have a LinkedIn course about the OWASP top 10 that our listeners should definitely check out. But I guess it just begs the question, like, why is it not getting done? Where are we missing the mark? Yeah. So I think one of the things that I get really frustrated with is I think when folks are thinking about vulnerability management, there's actually too much emphasis on finding security problems, whether that is via threat modeling, via code review, via penetration testing, via red teaming, purple teaming, any number of different offensive security defect discovery techniques. Now, don't get me wrong. Finding security problems is extremely important work. But what's really critical is that once security testing has been performed in order to find as many true positive issues as possible, the next step is to engage with the teams that can actually fix the issues because the quality and the security of software does not and cannot improve until problems are actually addressed or eliminated. And the thing about this is that there is no technical silver bullet. Fixing security issues actually requires some soft skills like effective communication, coordination, and integration with development teams and processes. I think that Security folks have an opportunity to get more curious about development teams and how they work because those are the folks that we need to work with effectively in order to actually get security problems fixed. I love that because it feels like you're really pulling back the lens on how to address the problem, right? And it sounds like you're talking about really looking at how to build a security testing strategy. And so what are some of the key considerations that organizations should be thinking about in order to effectively do that? Every security person has an opportunity to get really curious about how do the development teams and the operational teams at my organizations actually work? What are their priorities? And how can I seek out areas of common interest? We all have an opportunity to understand how much time these folks have to realistically spend on fixing security issues. Uh, one of the areas that we have an opportunity to get curious about is what are the tools that developers use and how do their processes work? For example, how frequently are they releasing code? This is something that should probably influence the frequency of our security testing. What types of tracking systems are they using to manage bug fixes? We should be making sure that security bugs are included and don't get lost because they're in separate systems or PDF reports floating around in email. So what are some of the hidden challenges or unexpected bumps in the road that folks might encounter? Because in listening to you, I'm thinking, well, it sounds like tunnel vision is maybe a hidden challenge, right? Because time is such a valuable resource that so many practitioners are very limited with. You know, is it that we get too focused on solving the problem, identifying the vulnerability that we don't have the time to pull back and get curious 
about approaching different strategies? I think that's something cultural that I've observed many times throughout my career is a security person's desire for perfection and for completeness. Sometimes what this results in is wanting to fix everything right now. The reality is when we're talking about fixing security problems, we really need to take into consideration realities of the business, like what capacity is available and what kind of a time frame are we thinking about? This is something that I think for some security purists is an opportunity to just understand a little bit more deeply. We have an opportunity to shift away from approaching our colleagues in development and operations and just dumping piles of hundreds and thousands of vulnerabilities onto them and saying, it is super important to fix these all right now. We have an opportunity to help them sift through the enormous piles and figure out what needs to be prioritized so that we can focus. There's an opportunity to really tell the difference not only between a critical severity finding and a low severity finding, but also to be able to link together potentially multiple informational, low, medium severity findings that might result in a chained exploit, which in of itself actually becomes a critical severity finding. And the thing about that is that when we're talking about severity of vulnerability findings, it is not only about the technical attributes of a system in isolation. It actually involves not only a technical ecosystem context, but also a business process context. It's really important for security people to understand how are users actually using software. Um, so I think we have an opportunity to focus more on prioritization um, and planning. And so how do organizations do that? How do they prioritize building and implementing a security testing strategy, especially when, you know, to your point, it's not just about the technical or technology ecosystem. It's also about the business and the users. And so where do you start with that first step of prioritizing? There's one thing that I want to provide, which is some data on how we've observed folks doing it. So at Cobalt, to date, we have delivered more than 10,000 manual penetration tests. And every year, we take the data from the pen tests, which were performed in the previous year, and we provide analysis and reporting open and available to the public. In our 2023 state of pen testing, we looked at more than 3,000 pen test engagements conducted in 2022, which adds up to more than 16,000 security vulnerabilities found. And we looked at the percentage of those pen test findings, which were fixed and retested. And we looked at that and we compared it between companies that were of different sizes. And we actually found out some interesting stuff. 
So it turns out that according to our data, larger companies actually fix and retest their findings, less of them than smaller companies. And my personal theory and hypothesis is that smaller companies have fewer people to talk to, more simple stakeholder management, and it's actually easier to get a hold of the person who needs to make the decision or make an actual change to code in order to address a security vulnerability. Whereas at a larger organization, it can simply be harder to track down exactly who's the right person to make this decision and exactly who's the right person to actually make the code change. Um, so I do invite listeners to check out Cobalt's 2023 State of Pentest report. It will include not only this particular graph and the data that I'm describing, which you can then use to compare against your organization's state of what percentage of your security findings are you fixing and retesting? Um, I do think that benchmarks can be valuable uh, for any given individual organization to ask a question, how am I doing compared to others? And is that broken down by sector as well and industry? Currently, it's pretty across the board. And we do have customers across many different verticals. Mm-hmm. There is some vertical specific data in the report, um, but not everything is vertical specific. Got it. Okay. That's that's awesome. That's very interesting. And I have uh <laughs> I like your hypothesis on why that might be so. I'm also wondering if it does have to do with larger organizations having the ability to prioritize a security testing strategy and that, you know, to your point about the thousands and tens of thousands of vulnerabilities that have to be fixed, are they not fixing the ones that aren't priorities, whereas the smaller organizations are maybe not using as many different applications that they're able to fix more? I don't know. That's just my little brain spinning. (laughs) I, I, I love the way your brain spins, Casey. For what it's worth, I do think that there's a concept here, which is to say attack surface management. It is likely that a smaller organization is simply going to have less stuff to protect and it's going to be simpler to protect it as a result. A larger organization is more likely to have a more extensive attack surface um, and therefore it's naturally going to be a greater level of effort to keep eyes on that entire attack surface. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of implementation, um, how costly is it for organizations to build a security testing strategy? And what are some ways maybe that those who have limited resources can think about implementing and building while also being able to curtail spending? Yeah. So here, I really think that there's an opportunity for organizations to take advantage of security testing that can be delivered on demand and at scale. Historically, security testing has been kind of slow and expensive, you know, but that's changing. And the things that are changing that are number one, automation, 
Certainly artificial intelligence plays a role here. The other thing is new and different business models. So one of the things that Cobalt's done is with pen testing as a service, we've been able to take traditional pen testing and we've been able to provide it on demand and at scale. Um, and there are ways to do this today that simply didn't exist 10 years ago. That's fantastic. Before we wrap up, Caroline, always so great to talk to you. Do you have any parting words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? I am so optimistic about the future state of vulnerability management. We have a real opportunity. I think that DevOps and DevSecOps are moving us in the right direction. You know, today we have opportunities to use automation and artificial intelligence in ways that we haven't been done before. Um, and so I continue to be extremely excited about the future state uh, for our industry. And I hear that enthusiasm and passion in your voice. Thank you so much again for being here with us today. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. To find products and solutions related to vulnerability management, we invite you to visit rsaconference.com forward slash marketplace. Here you'll find an entire ecosystem of cybersecurity vendors and service providers who can assist with your specific needs. Please keep the conversation going on your social channels using the hashtag RSAC and be sure to visit rsaconference.com for new content posted year round. Until next time.